Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Lifting the Rug. Um, just wanted to say something. We are on episode 20 already, guys. Mm-hmm. We've been at this for 20 plus weeks because we skipped a couple weeks. So thank you all for listening. We appreciate your listening ears. Alessia uh, is not with me today. I am in Florida. But Sophia, my cousin, the recurring, recurring co-host, is here. You know it. Always here. Always loving life. <laughs> in sunny Florida, it's hotter then you cannot imagine. I can't feel myself It's right literally now. 11 p.m. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Why is it so hot? Like, I could cry. The pants are not a move. Why am I wearing sweatpants? <laughs> Why are you wearing pants? I don't know. All right. Well, um, got the loosey gooseys out of us. So we're going to be talking. We're doing uh, the segment separation of church and state. Kind of a continuation of the last one, kind of, yeah. That you were on yeah. last. Yeah. Perfect. So it's very exciting. Um, if you don't know Sophia's podcast, we just finished oh, yes, we just recording hers, My Life with Christ. And um, it's interesting that she's doing this with me because she has a lot of insight about her faith with her politics, too. So it's a good layering and, you know, that linking kind of stuff. All right, so it's all about dissecting prayer this week in the nation, how it's been such a principle and a driving force for everyday people, as well as political leaders. So it's kind of like that idea of prayer in the nation. Why does it exist? Why? How does it exist? Does it exist for the right reasons? Why are we still praying? Yeah. What's the motive here, right? So with the political climate the way that it is in this world of political correctness, um... And the dissipating kind of moral compass that we've talked about. Where does prayer stand in politics? How has it evolved? Um, where, what were our forefathers' intentions in embedding prayer in Congress routines? This is a really good question. It's kind of like my thesis question for this episode. Because the opening prayer for Congress always kind of baffled me. But I always wondered where it came from. And I always, like, kind of like to know the history of it. Yeah. So, I'm going to start just a really quick thing before I kind of get your input with some facts slash, you know, articles. A really interesting article from newamerica.org. It highlights that these prayers serve as our nations as well as what their limitations are in accordance to the constitutions. It's entitled, The Limits of the Power of Prayer in American Politics. It's by Cheyenne Pelamedio. It's posted pretty recently, February 14th, 2019. And there's some quotes here. Last week, religious leaders, humanitarians, and politicians came together at the Hilton Hotel for a fellowship breakfast in the spirit of Jesus. The National Prayer Breakfast, held every year since 1953, is one of those moments, now rarer by the day, when political strife and division take a backseat to prayer calls for unity and reminders of our shared identities it's also a reminder of how faith and public life are intertwined in a country where 70 percent of the population is christian interesting and where the public's trust in the church has always been greater than its trust in government interesting so kind of like talk to me about that what do you feel what are your thoughts to me when i look at politics as a whole though it's like religion doesn't strike my first no. Boom, religion. Same. No, that's Especially just not today. it. No, don't get me wrong. The fact that you want to kind of take a stand is unity. You know, we're coming together. In, like, events, I get that, right? You know, we're out and about with leaders, whatever. You know, we need to stand unified. I understand. But 
you know, like it, even like with church, right? Mm-hmm. Church doesn't dive deep into politics. You know, moral issues, yes, but churches aren't political in the same way that politics isn't religious. See, I always thought, like, church is my safe space. I need to forget about what I'm learning in politics and the news. And I need to, like, we talked about this in your podcast, like, trusting God for yeah. me is important. Yeah. Not trusting whoever the yeah. heck, whoever Joe Schmo literally is controlling no, this no. world right now. <laughs> and here's my thing, though. It's like, it's all great to be politically religious, whatever, but you can't just pick and choose when and how you're religious. Yeah. If you're pretending as, you know, the United States that, oh, we're this religious country, then act like it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, really. But you're not, though. Yeah. Just because you have a prayer at the beginning of a, of a Congress meeting, that doesn't make you a Christian society, nor does right. it make you a religious group. Right. And that's something that's super confusing to me it's like how do you call yourself christian when you're going against christian ideals and christian morals and beliefs not even christian don't get me wrong jewish and muslim as well just very contradictory to everything that they believe like just because you pray doesn't mean you're a religious person what so my main question too was now that you bring up the other religions is why are we only singling out the christians i would be offended if i were jewish or if i were muslim um, they try to make it as inclusive as possible, and I'll kind of dive into, like, how they construct the prayer and all this stuff. But at the same time, that's even more of a slap. Like, just don't do a prayer if it's supposed to be Christian. Just no, don't what? do it. So, like, where are the boundaries? What is politically correct? What is happening? Why are there prayers in general? What is happening? That's, like, literally all that I have to say about that, because I don't even know. That's why I researched it. So, I have another um, same article. It's a direct quote. Religious institutions have long served as places where people with cross-cutting identities gather to celebrate, mourn, and share personal and political aspirations, which I don't think is really true. Sacred places have been safe spaces during times of political persecution, and they continue to play an intermediary role between people and other institutions of power in society like government and big business. So it's a separation of church and state, but is it a separation? Why are we trying to cross cut? Is it to like impede on people's faith? Well, here's my thing though, is like when we talk about, you know, religious aspects of politics, we have to understand that like the founding fathers did have this intention of mind, you know, base the constitution, base, you know, fundamental values of the United States on biblical things mm-hmm. this is very true you yeah. know no matter who you ask atheist or not it's just a fact yes they were very christian people and i get that and i get that we have to still have that and i want that of course as a christian and as someone who loves her country but it's like you're taking it to an extreme that it's like oh we're gonna pretend that we have these values and and love our country yeah. like this but we're not gonna act mm. like it yeah it's it's just it's tough for me to like wrap my head around that's kind of why I, like, entitled it Lifting Persecution, because, you know, Christians are known for being persecuted, just as a lot of other religions yeah, are. No. So, I understand the inclusivity that they want to, like, incorporate, like, we are here for you kind of thing, but are you? Or is it more just like a like a self-serving purpose kind of thing to make you look good 
and then like I'm good. Like my citizens because are Because honestly, of. it's it's just like a facade of oh yeah, you know those fundamental things that have always been in, you know, our right. our beliefs. Well, we still have it because look at us, we're praying, but actually behind the scenes there's no, you know, basis in any type of morals that yeah. are going on. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into, um, like, the actual chaplain that they hire for in in Congress. So there's a lot of conversation that make, like, arguments about having a chaplain hired by Congress. So each meeting and opening prayer, they have this chaplain, and those chaplains' salaries come from citizens' tax-paying dollars, which some consider a violation of the Constitution. Um are spiritual and don't support or believe in prayer. So basically people think that having a chaplain paid by taxpaying dollars. A chaplain as in like a priest? Yeah. Like he's a not, he's essentially a non-denominational person. Okay. That's doing these prayers and conducting these. Non-denominational as in Christian, not in Muslim as well. Right. Okay. So he's like, they're trying to be as inclusive as possible by keeping the prayer tradition. So there's no, like, Muslim aspect or Jewish at all. Right. Okay. So I think it started more as a Christian-based prayer. Okay. But now it's becoming more of a broad-spectrum kind of prayer coming from different, like, people of different origins that have different backgrounds. Okay. So on May 5th, 2018, the Durand Herald posted an article by Wendy Cage entitled, How Does Congress Have Chaplains Without Violating the Separation of Church and State? So, direct quote, after the Constitution was ratified, the U.S. Senate selected an Episcopal bishop from New York, Samuel Provost, as its chaplain in April 1789. So that was the first chaplain. He was pretty, it was like a Christian-based kind of thing. Another direct quote, today, congressional chaplains hold full-time, non-partisan, non-sectoral, jobs. They are formal officials of the chamber in which they serve. Each chaplain has a staff and is paid as a level four executive federal employee. Currently $164,200 is the average salary, which is being paid by tax dollars. So that's where the kind of sticky situation of separation of church and state, why is someone who is promoting this religious aspect of things, why are we paying it with our tax dollars yeah. that has the, yeah. you know, the state? Yeah. The chaplains offer public prayers at the beginning of each of the congressional businesses. They also provide pastoral care for members of Congress and other associated with the House and Senate, including staff, police, and family family members. Wow. So it's a cool job. It's like, it's it's very... Cool, but then there's, like, this stickiness that comes up. So there's a lawsuit in 18, 1983 by Ernest Chambers um, to end the practice of legislative prayer reached the Supreme Court. However, the court decided to defer to historical custom rather than asserting a firm boundary between church and state. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So they there's been lawsuits against having these chaplains, but they've always even going to the supreme court they have been turned down oh my that's how much so like you said the forefathers having that wanting that foundation yeah wanting that like we the people it's just a hypocritical moment in my mind of like i have 
have no problem with with prayer in Congress. I think it's wonderful, and I think they need it. You know, this sense of direction, regardless of your religion or beliefs. Great. But it's this, okay, well, we have this, but at the same time, someone like Amy Coney Barrett walks in. with She has very strong beliefs. She's a Catholic, wonderful Mm -hmm. woman, beautiful woman. She's amazing. And they (laughs) love her. I'm a strong fan, if you didn't notice. (laughs) They ridicule her for having her beliefs. They say, oh, well, you know, they're... They're going to influence your decisions, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, we can't have you on here. Like, what? Yeah, and at the same... No, it's not okay. Well, there is that always that, like, there is the elephant in the room of abortion, mm-hmm. non-abortion, Christian, non-Christian, right? Like, it's always there. It's a hot-button topic. Yeah. yeah. And that's another instance where, like, separation of church and state is always muddled. No, oh, yeah. So, like, prayer in Congress... Um, and the abortion issue. Always, always, always just there. So it's going to be an, a never-ending it's, battle. It is. But when you talk about the prayer and, you know, you go back to, okay, well, we want it for unity, right? Mm-hmm. It's, okay, so you want it for unity for a second. All right. So right now in this second when we are praying, we are standing united. united. Cool. Then when we're on the Congress floor or whatever behind the scenes in the Supreme Court, we're bashing people because they have religious beliefs. Right. Like, what? Like, I understand that whole area of separation of church and state, it comes in of, okay, well, I'm not going to let my my church influence my politics. I understand that. But when you come in and you say this is a unifying moment, what? No. Like, that's so hypocritical to right. me. It's a lot. There's a lot of layers to it. So the most recent issue. Uh, oh, here um, we go. This is a lot. This is like what is going to really get me going. Just to let you guys know. Um, Global News had a great article about Josh by Josh Elliott. It was posted January 4th, 2021. So pretty recent. A men and a woman. U.S. congressman mocked for gendered for gendered prayer finale so there was this big thing if you guys didn't hear about it it was essentially um the congressman who was it well we'll talk about it people of various genders were laughing at a u.s congressman's attempt to be inclusive on sunday when he wrapped up a prayer in the house of representatives with the words a men and a woman so essentially why this is my other question that I kind of didn't really dive too much into if there are chaplains that do this why is a congressman doing a prayer if he doesn't have that's like offensive to a person of faith like why is just a random like Joe Schmo doing this prayer for someone for like the entire like floor here's here's my thing like when we talk about the separation again it's you know not infringing on on either one not just politics but the church as well we're not Mm -hmm. trying to to change the church and i think that's something that's that politicians or even like extremists on both sides don't understand is that the church is not trying to change politics when the church talks about abortion or, or whatever we're not trying to come at you to change your beliefs we're we're coming at you with moral issues right when you start when you know to go into taxes or whatever that's where you know the church doesn't really have a say you know just kind of politics Mm -hmm. but politics has no say into what the church believes and that's kind of what separation of church and state are is about right is that you have no right to tell me if i should believe in the whole identity or 
gender thing or whatever, right. the LGBTQ community. And that's why people got really upset was because it was that, like, okay, everybody has to accept this because it's part of the routine. Yes. I'm going to say it. It's going to happen. And that's it. So there, these are people that are upset that the prayer is still happening, but now they're using it as a tool to try to get people going yeah, and, yeah. like, erase it, yeah. which goes back to cancel culture, which we'll talk about next week because i think i'm gonna do another cancel culture thing because there's too many things being canceled i know i I can't keep up i know um but we'll go back to this so a direct quote rep emmanuel cleaver he was a democrat from missouri made the unusual addition while leading the house in a prayer during the swearing in of the 117th congress on sunday re-elected house speaker nancy pelosi you recently introduced new rules requiring more inclusive language in house documents the rules will change references to pronouns and familial relations so they are gender neutral according to a statement from pelosi that's fine here's my issue when you put it in a prayer it's no longer separating church and state because you are telling these people you are inserting this idea that your political values yours alone this one side matters more and needs to be included in this prayer that's supposed to be for everybody again and it's the unity thing unity is not calling people out it is not pushing people into believing something it's saying okay we're gonna take it take a break from politics for a second and you know regardless of what you believe in or if this is a christian prayer or not it's okay we're just human beings with a soul at the Mm -hmm. end of the day that's what we are in this moment like why are you taking that moment away and making it political what Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to wrap it up with this quote. So Cleaver's full prayer hinted at the sharp divisions facing Mm -hmm. the United States in the immediate future, increasing a baseless attempt by Republicans to overturn U.S. President Donald Trump's election lost to Joe Biden. Mm. So, like, both sides, not good. No. It's not good. We've already established this, guys. Like, both sides, because they're so polar and because they're so separate, it's bad. Which means separation of church and state is going to be even worse because now we are out to get one another on a different level. Because it's no longer separation. It's not. Separation of church and state basically doesn't exist anymore. Right. And it's not in a way where it's the church influencing politics like the founding fathers feared. It's the other way around of politicians basically saying you're evil and you're Mm -hmm. corrupt if you have a moral compass that's rooted in a faith, which is not okay. Which, like, as people of faith we're not afraid of it because no. we know that it was prophesied that this was going to happen yeah. Yeah. so like i'm not afraid whatever but like for all of y'all who don't know like it's scary for you like you should be afraid because guess what if you don't educate yourself and really like invest in just learning about all this stuff you're really going to be like blindsided when all of it changes and you're like what just happened politics has no place in religion no bottom line no that's just where that is you can't you can't intermix these days with with how separate we are with how no divided we are it's just not possible no there there is no longer a moral standing point in in government and you know hate to say it but even the extreme republicans and extreme extreme liberals it's do whatever the f you want really at the end of the day and that's not that's not that's not christian that's not islamic that's not jewish that's nothing no faith that you will find across the world tells you you do whatever you want that's not what it is and that's what politicians are pushing on people of faith you know forget about christians for a second these devout devout muslims that liberals they love the Muslims. they love Mm -hmm. them 
devout Muslims can't stand liberals. They think they're crazy. They're like, are you out of your mind? You're letting people run around doing whatever they want? Like, it's not okay. But that's anybody who has, like, Any that type moral of, compass yeah. and that, like, that, like, they're basically etching these people out at this point because there's no way that you can have a faith and believe in all this stuff and keep, keep of course. up with it. And then again, you know, it's it's the church that we, we don't believe we should be infringing on politics. No. We're not saying that everything that the Catholic Church or the Christian Church or the Islamic whatever says should be in politics. It's, of course, yeah. it's not what we're saying, but it shouldn't be the other way around then right. at all. But I think, honestly, like, I was always told, educate yourself yeah. and know, your, know who you are, know what you believe, but make sure that other people, like, if they don't know, make sure that they, like, just know the facts. At least lay it out, and that's what this podcast yep. is designed for. So I hope we like educated you a little bit today. That was exciting and Ooh. fun. Had to hold the phone. So she <laughs> she it's did. It's too hot out here, man. Um, it's very hot out here. So um, next week we'll be doing the cancel culture. If anybody has seen In the Heights yet, very good movie. I have not seen it yet, but there is a big blow up about um, the can like canceling Lin Manuel Miranda for not including oh, I heard a about lot of that. blacks and only no cre- darker skin Latinas. Gotcha. And the Latina community was like, "What? We are fully this color." <laughs> like, don't so, understand. And the black so, African Americans were like, "We're not Latina. What's happening right so now?" So now we're talking about canceling within the liberal community and now I'm afraid. So I need to talk about Even it. The liberals are against each other. Yeah. What's happening? Oh my. So I definitely need to talk about it. We definitely need to vent it out. Um, it's going to be the cancel culture next week. But thank you guys all for listening. Um, we'll probably be done with separation of church and state because I think I've said everything I needed to say. Um, if anything pressing comes up, the segment is open so I can talk about it. But. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to share your story, if you want to talk about um, just, you know, your faith journey with politics. More voices than just me, guys. Come on. Yeah, come on. I need more, <laughs> like, people exciting. to interview. Um, but, yeah, please let me know. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. At Lifting the Rug. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, no. All of it. Peace out, everybody. Peace out.